Okay, real talk. When did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Like, say I want to see what you're doing and who you're hanging with, and you're not posting about it on your story. I can just stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. Oh, yeah, that's weird. You do that? No, I don't do that. I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages and keep it between friends, and then use that money to buy something at a store with Apple Pay. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Maybe. Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Terms apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. Psst, Darren. Yo, Elizabeth Dutton. Hey, what's up? Hey, how you Just doing? keep it down. Oh, sorry. Why are, we, why are we whispering? I don't know. Hold on. Let me look. Okay, it's clear. Let's go. We're good. Oh, thank God. I know. Okay, so listen. Yeah. Do you know what's ridiculous? Oh, yes. Oh. Sit back down. Yes. Yeah, you start whispering. Okay, listen. Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Harlem Globetrotters. Uh, okay. They're not ridiculous at all. Oh, okay. Yeah. Pope John Paul II. Mm, no, also not, not ridiculous. ridiculous. But do you know they were on the same team? Wait, no. And by that, I mean literally Pope John Paul II was an honorary Harlem Globetrotter. Oh. Yes. And he met them in St. Peter's Square on October 1st, 1986. The meeting went so well that 14 years later, the second time they met, they showed up and they presented him with an autographed basketball and a jersey of his own with his name on it, number 75, in honor of the Globetrotters' 75th anniversary. And they said, quote, they are making him, giving him a, a new title, one befitting the man. And they said, quote, this prestigious title recognizes an individual of extraordinary character and achievement who's made an everlasting mark on the world. Okay. So, yeah, they said that similar to the Pope, the Globetrotters have touched tens of millions of people around the world as moral leaders <laughs> and champions of human rights. I shouldn't have paused so much. I know, the pause. Uh, pause is kind of messed Ooh, that up. But you know what I'm saying. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, John Paul II was an honorary globetrotter and uh, also a saint. So the Harlem Globetrotters have a saint on their team. That's amazing. Right? Do you like? Do you think he ever put the jersey on? I think he played that night in it. I, or just He's like, like shirts versus skins slept, with the Cardinals. He slept in it with no panties yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, do you think it's like in a museum or is it in a box somewhere? Oh, I bet um, Benedict had it burned. Pope Benedict, he's like, burn this. Probably. Yeah, it just seems like probably. him. That's what the smoke was when he got elected. Was the, no, yeah, anyway. anyway. He was the seventh uh, person to be an honorary Globetrotter. So there's not a lot of them is my oh. point. Oh. Yeah. They, he's like their se seventh man. Oh, I'm going to look up and see who the others are. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so that is ridiculous. Thank you. Do you know what else is ridiculous? No, that's what I, I came here to ask you. Having your name become a word in the dictionary because of something you did. Oh, my dream. 
This is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. It's always 99% murder-free and 100% ridiculous. you damn right. Okay, I was waiting for that. <laughs> Zarin, you're a bath guy, right? We've yes. Got, we've, I think we've talked about I'm that before. I'm bed, bath, and beyond, baby. What is your ideal bath? Like, like, what do you mean? Like the bathtub or like the type well, of like bath? The whole or like the scenario. <laughs> just walk, walk, you walk you through my favorite bath? <laughs> yes. Okay. So there, am I a bubbles or no bubbles person? Yeah, Elizabeth, no surprise. I'm a bubbles person. Oh, you are? Okay. Yes. Oh, yeah. You got to have some bubbles. Why not? You're <laughs> doing it. Be decking. Enjoy it. Luxuriate. Yeah. Okay. So yes, bubbles. Yes. Uh, bath bomb. Maybe if I'm in the mood, but probably okay. not. Uh, sometimes. Epsom salts? Epsom salts if my muscles are aching. Uh-huh. But maybe uh, I'm going to maybe drop in a little Dr. Bronner's. You know, oh, just to okay. get a little of that, that peppermint feel. I, I like it. that one. That's always a nice one. And then I want the temperature of the water to be extremely hot. So okay. hot that it's like one of those Japanese baths. But they do it with fire. So that's really nice because it doesn't then tickle the skin I hear. Uh-huh. But my, my baths, they tickle the skin. Like it makes the skin itch. It's oh, like, oh, my God, this is hot. You get hot. out, it's like red. It's You're like, like red. Yes. I, I want it to look like a, like a silkwood shower. That's what I'm going for. <laughs> oh, so God. then I sit in there for like 30, 40 minutes. And I wear, <laughs> I wear my reading glasses and I bring a phone. And I read the day's news, the day's <laughs> events, my email. I catch up so with friends. Steamy. It's awesome. Sometimes I bring a slice of cake in there if I want. How this hell hot? I'll relax. So like a sparkling. You want water. me to keep going on? I can tell you about the drinks. I can tell you about the music you, I like. Do you maybe have candles. Like, do you have like duckies? <laughs> no, no floaties. Nothing that Beach I'm bringing. Ball? I'm not bringing anything, anything into the water. But oh. I have. I have. I like. I will admit, when I was a, like a, a very young bachelor and I was bathing, I would sometimes bring a beer or two into the bathtub, bathing and then bachelor. I would float the empties in the water so it looks like I'm at the beginning of like a movie of like, like Smoking the Bandit 2. Or it's like, like a, a really depressing part Bukowski of the movie. Yes, exactly. Like, it's okay. like, oh, we're at the part before his life gets better. Oh, God. That okay, enough so for you? You're a bath guy. That's great. <laughs> That's cool for you. Yes. Uh, you like baths. You also, do you like Italian uh, culture, Italy, Italians? Never heard of it. Okay. Uh, I like <laughs> Italy and Italian culture and Italians. Yes, obviously, I, think, I love that. I think Italian. we've talked about that before. You like planes, right? Oh, love them. You said you've always wanted to learn to fly. Always wanted to learn to fly. I'm against helicopters, but I love planes. Right. And so aviation, it thrills you. For the most part. And we've talked about that before. Yes. I really love talking about the San Francisco Bay Area. Yes, you do. And I've done that to death. You and do I, that with strangers. I don't care and I won't stop. Uh, I love Bay Area history and culture. Can't, it's in my Can't blood. stop, won't stop. No. And anytime I can tell a Bay Area story, I will. Yes, you will. I am annoying that way. Uh, Dave, Dave, you love a good immigrant story? For sure. Yeah, hell, hell, who doesn't? <laughs> who doesn't? Uh, we need people coming to the U.S., and we've talked about that before. So I have a good one for us today. Sounds like that you're hitting all the buttons. It's something for everyone. Yeah. Come on. Uh, it's something we haven't talked about yet, though. Ooh. Oh. What if I just started repeating all the old ones? Um, <laughs> I want to tell you the story of a family. We could just tell each other's the ones that uh, you've done. I'll tell. Remember all that you... time when you were talking yeah. about? Yeah, we'll do it like. I'm that. gonna tell the one you did, but I'm gonna do it funnier, faster. <laughs> uh, so this is the story of a family. Sure. A family that's scrappy and sharp, uh, big dreams, bigger work ethic. Okay. Um, a family that sticks together through thick and thin until Ooh. they don't. Oh. Um, I'm going to warn you that this story has more history than crime. 
Okay, just coming in up top, I like that. Just indulge me. Uh-huh. Um, I was looking into this, and I was so taken with the story of this family that I figured I'd just make it work. All right, um, I'm so curious. So this is the story of Giovanni and his wife, Teresa. Okay. He was the patriarch of a large family in Casarsa della Delizia. Is this Madonna's father? That's why they only have first names? Yes, they, everyone only has first names. Okay. Um, so this uh, Casara della Delizia, it's a farming community in northern Italy, mm-hmm. um, northeast of Venice, northwest of Trieste. Oh, okay. I actually know where that is. Yeah, so it's an idyllic setting. Very nice. Gently rolling hills, vineyards. There's mm-hmm. a beautiful church in town, as you can probably guess. <laughs> I went a Google Street viewing. Yeah. And I want to go there. How was your tour? <laughs> it was Fantastic. So it's this lovely little Italian village, but it had some issues at the turn of the 20th century when Giovanni and his family lived there. Hmm. Abject poverty. Oh, that is an issue. Yeah, not so great. Yeah. So Giovanni, he was a carpenter. He was a very hard worker who came from a long line of farmers and dock workers. Teresa kept a tidy and efficient home. Uh, Giovanni and Teresa had 13 children. Oh. Yeah, she was just blown out. So they kept that bed warm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Raquelli was one. Yeah. Uh, Valeriano. Uh-huh. Francesco. What did people do before there was radio and TV? Well, well we know now. 13 kids. Yeah. Giuseppe. Uh-huh. Gelindo. Uh-huh. Giacondo. Uh-huh. Felicita. Great names. Angelina. Uh-huh. Anquila. Mm. Candido. Wow. Chirila. Any Cosmos? Stella. Nice. Gilia. Nice. Yeah. Those Very are the 13 nice. kids. So money was obviously tight. I mean, you have to feed 15 people. Yeah, they're feeding two basketball teams. Basically, Giovanni and Teresa, they wanted their children to succeed, to have all the things that the world had to offer. So the boys, they studied to become engineers, hmm. and the girls trained to be seamstresses. Hmm. Yeah, okay. all right. It's, 19, it's 1907. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Europe is changing. It's modernizing. Yeah, the whole world's changing. Giovanni, he felt war coming. Yeah, empires are about to fall away. Oh, yeah. And he didn't want to lose his sons in battle, so he came up with a plan. Okay. He decided to take his sons and move to the United States. Okay, good plan, I imagine. Common plan at that time. It's a it's a, in small group after small group they scattered out in the American West. They spoke only a little bit of English, and some went to Idaho. Um, others went to my home state, California. L.A., San Francisco, they worked any job that they could. Uh, Paolo, who's great-grandson of Giovanni, he said, quote, they dug ditches, built railroads, did everything they could to make a buck and send it back to Italy and try to get the rest of the family over. Hmm. So these are just hard, hard workers. Slowly but surely, that's what they did. They got everyone over. The first wave of the family uh, came in 1907. By 1920, the whole family was here. Good for them. The dribs and drabs. Don't forget, the brothers had all studied mechanical engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, so while they may have been picking oranges or stocking warehouses to get by, they were saving the money that they made to start a business. In 1915, they opened a machine shop in Berkeley, California. Oh, wow. Right on San Pablo Avenue the wide boulevard that cuts its way across the East Bay. You know, the building is still there. Hmm. It still stands. It's currently a kind of posh furniture store called Fenton McLaren. Oh, I know that one. Yeah. Um, anyway, back in the day, they made airplane propellers there. Oh, cool. Yeah. One of the sons, Rickaley, uh, he was super geeked on flying. Oh, they're making those big wooden airplane uh-huh. propellers. Okay, yeah, yes. Yeah, we're like 1915. Yes. Um, so Rickaley, aviation nut, super mm-hmm. into it. He'd worked as a mechanic for James McDonnell of McDonnell Douglas. Douglas. Um, So he was working for him, checking out planes at the 1915 Panama Pacific World's Fair in San Francisco. 
Uh, so he studied planes. He was constantly looking for a way to improve upon this new technology. He invented a lightweight propeller with a windward pitch that was called a toothpick propeller. Hmm. And it was new. No one was doing it. It was super efficient. It caught the eye of the government, and the U.S. Army Air Corps made it their standard equipment. Damn. Right. Charles Lindbergh used it. Good on him. This feature instrumental in the U.S. air presence in World War I. If you want to go look at it, it's on permanent display in the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. So basically, he's the one who took the propeller and canted and it. Canted at the angle. it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, with that cool invention getting them attention, the brothers, they worked together to come up with something else, another improvement. They designed the first fully enclosed high wing monoplane built hmm. and flown in the United States, the J 7. Wow. So, before this, pilots are just out there whipping around in the wind. Yeah. Scarfs a dancing. Uh, <laughs> now they're inside a cabin, fully yeah. enclosed. So the plane weighed... Turn up that radio. Yeah, exactly. The plane weighed 1,800 pounds. It was a big one. Uh, it cost a fortune to build. The whole family worked on it. All seven brothers, plus the wives and the sisters, they stitched together the canvas to cover, cover the wing mm -hmm. frames. So it was a huge family effort. Um, the plane also had a ton of successful flights, which was a serious accomplishment in the early days of Completely. aviation. The barnstorming era? Yeah, yeah, they flew it in and out of the Bay Area, and then they had an idea, a way to recoup the money that they'd poured into this thing. So passenger service was their idea, plus maybe work as a mail plane. So they angled to get a contract with the U.S. Postal Service, and they started going on runs. They did a test flight from San Francisco to Reno, Nevada, um, for the post office, and it went well. Um, around the time that they're getting ready to sign this contract with the Postal Service, they decided to do another trial run. This time they were going to take passengers out to Yosemite because they felt like this is a, you know, people are getting more into. That makes sense. It's like a tourist know, run. Exactly. And more and more people from the Bay Area wanted yeah. to and go down and see it. And the rich would want to go and they can afford the tickets. Right. So for this daring mission, they got a 23-year-old hotshot named Harold Bud Coffee to fly the plane. Bud Coffee. Bud Coffee. He was from <laughs> Modesto, California. Oh, wow. Lovely town in the Central Valley. Yeah. He was seasoned and confident, 23 years old. Uh, he was Bud Coffee, man. <laughs> I love the name. Isn't it the greatest? So um, he was a second lieutenant or lieutenant, as they say across the Oh, line. the Brits, yeah. I love thinking. And, and the Army Air Service. Yeah. Um, and he'd been an aviation instructor in San Diego. And then he got into commercial aviation. He's 23 years old. Damn, good on him. He made the first ever passenger flight into Stockton, California. Oh, that's right there. First one to fly to Fat City? He was the first to land at the Feather River Inn in Lake Tahoe. He was the first? It was, it was it Bud was him? Coffee. Damn. He flew in a record time of over 12 hours from Laramie, Wyoming to San Francisco to relay photos of the celebrated Jack Dempsey-George Carpentier boxing match. It was that Bud Coffee? It was that Bud ah, Coffee. Okay, you, you should have just started a with that. legend, 23 <laughs> years old. So... On this inaugural flight to Yosemite was aviation writer John Kauke, okay. uh, machine shop plant technician Archibald Duncan McLeish. Ah, Archie McLeish. Archie McLeish. Uh, Jacondo, um, mm -hmm. whose brother Rakele was the one who designed the plane. Was he like the second oldest, third oldest? I think so, okay. yeah. One of the oldest? Yeah, so Rakele, he's the oldest, and then Jacondo's like third, maybe. Um, anyway, so those are the other people. There's four on the, on the plane. Sure. Up, up, they flew over the California Central Valley on their way to beautiful Yosemite. Mm, it's that one wild of my, blue yonder. One of my favorite places, by the oh, way, well, Yosemite. Yosemite, yes. It's been a while since I've been there because it's too blasted crowded See, now. See, now, one of my favorite places is the sky. Right. <laughs> not the same for me. <laughs> I could not go in a small plane. Um, anyway, I miss Yosemite. Uh, so, July 12th. Um, 
The plane, mm-hmm. piloted by Bud Coffey, landed in a meadow in front of El Capitan, the oh, wow. incredible mountain in the park. That's nuts. I yeah. think I know the meadow you're talking about. It's, yeah, exactly. Park officials and visitors, they all came out to marvel at the machine. Coffee and a bunch of the mechanics did a comprehensive one over on the plane to make sure it was in good shape to fly back. Two days later, dudes get back on the plane. They cruise back to the Bay Area. They're going to make a pit stop in Coffee's hometown of Modesto. Um, he actually just wanted to see his girlfriend. Aura. He wanted to show off. He totally. So, like, he swoops down the roar of the engine over the town, brings his people all outside to see this amazing plane because it's a big deal at Dude, the time. yeah, he's done wing waves. And then tragedy struck. Oh, no. Yeah, stop laughing. The left wing came off and the fuselage fell to the ground. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. So some thought that Coffee tried an uh, acrobatic maneuver that went wrong. Like maybe he hit an air pocket or something. Uh Um, Investigators blamed a flaw in the design of the plane. It was too heavy and imbalanced. Like apparently the radiator was all big out in the front. Like who knows? Um, There were no survivors. Oh, God. Uh, News of the crash took up the entire front page of the Modesto Bee newspaper. I bet. And including, like, gruesome photos. It's horrible. Different times, I suppose. Like, no discretion. Uh, So anyway, despite the family living in Berkeley, Jacondo was buried in Modesto. Also, I think back then, just about the newspapers, they generally knew and experienced more horrors. Oh, yeah. So what a a horror was was very different for them. Totally, yeah. People were not sheltered from things. Um, So Jacondo, he's buried Mm -hmm. in Modesto. His grave marker said he was, quote, a martyr of the aviation, loved science, music, and pictorial art. His motto was Coele Navigari Necessit Est. And in flying high over the mountains and valleys, he constantly demonstrated how man is able to conquer the air. His name and work shall remain forever. Wow. So the Latin phrase translates to, we have to sail, we do not have to live. Hey. Anyway, uh, obviously the family's devastated. Teresa, the matriarch of the family, she put her foot down. No more planes. Oh, that's it? She's yeah, just like, that's uh, it. That was the last one of us going up in the sky. Basta. Wow. No more. So, And you know that held. It wasn't too bad of an idea. I mean, she'd lost her son. What? That's enough reason. She's got 13 but kids. They, Come on. <laughs> God. <No? laughs> uh, but they were also, you know, they're swimming in debt with this aviation no, I, business. I, I, no, honestly, and I think it's the, the trauma of it oh, yeah. probably. But then they, and they had the heat on them that there's thinking yeah. that, like, this wasn't designed very well. Oh, yeah. So they I had all this attention, that. but they didn't have money from it. And yeah. they obviously didn't get that USPS contract. Uh, so the family ended their aviation company and moved on. Hmm. What they did next would change everything. It would change the career and life trajectory of every single family member. Hmm. It would revolutionize homes and healthcare. It would create something iconic. It would make their surname a household name, something known the world over. Let's hmm. take a break. I'm so curious. When we come back, I'll tell you that last name and I'll start getting to an actual crime. rant for a sec please pay apps are way too public what happened some rando hearted a payment from five months ago and i realized people can see my entire history who i'm paying like full names it's super weird yeah it's weird how are you paying your friends then apple cash it's all in messages you can literally send cash like a text and it stays between friends random people can't see it did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. As you know, the world can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. With every crime I've studied, I've learned one thing. Your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. You don't want to worry. You just want peace of mind. 
That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. For every ridiculous robbery and theft we talk about, it's pretty obvious the crimes could be avoided with a solid security system. A good home security system keeps people prepared and aware. Simply Safe is that system. It was named Best Home Security Systems 2024 by U.S. News and World Report. And it doesn't just protect your home from crime, it also alerts you to fire, floods, and other emergencies. They offer sensors and cameras backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There are no contracts, and there's a 60-day money-back guarantee. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. That's simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. There's no safe like Simply Safe. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Yes, Elizabeth. Let me let me continue telling you this tale. Oh, please, I'm buckled up and ready. I'm sure. Okay, so I'm telling you the story of Giovanni and Teresa and their 13 kids. Yes. They moved from Italy to the U.S., specifically California, extra specifically to Berkeley. Yes. I love Berkeley, by Raise the way. Raise up. Uh, so this family started an aviation business in which every single member of the family had a job. Yeah. And But the wild blue yonder claimed one of the boys, so the family shut down operations. No more family business. There's no way they could go on. Uh, they had to come up with a new business. Yeah. And that was Industrious. Wasn't, it wasn't really a problem since the entire family was super clever and inventive. Mm-hmm. I mean, they came up with a new plane. They came up with a new propeller. Sure. Their minds just automatically assessed mechanical situations, broke them down, figured out how to build them back better. In- innovators, the whole bunch. Then they invented the monorail. It was so amazing. Uh, so, no. they There were stumbles and I'm more so tragedy. I'm curious guessing who they are. Go on. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, Raquel, in 1937, he was only 50 years old. He died of a massive heart attack. Oh, wow. So, Giuseppe took over the family business for a little while. Okay. And then, finally, Candido, the youngest son, he took over. And that was a new era. So, this time, they stayed on the ground and they innovated the water pump game. Water pump. Water pump. So just as their aviation timing was pretty good, their move into water pumps was equally fortuitous. Hmm. They invented the dental pick. Yes. Uh, So agriculture in California, booming. Yes, always. Uh, More people meant more food was needed, more land had to be put to absolute optimum use. Oh, this Uh, is before Ellen's Valley, so it's like a different water system. Right. So they came up with irrigation systems for orchards. And then they also developed a line of deep well injector pumps. The cousin of the thermal lance. The deep well (laughs) injector pump. Uh, I'm starting to think maybe I might not know this family. (laughs) They came up with these ingenious inventions and then they would sell the patents to big corporations in exchange for royalty deals. Oh, that's smart. So smart. It's geniuses. So this water pump stuff was a huge success, unlike the planes, they raked in money. And they expanded the business to keep up with demand. 
As the company grew, so did the staff. And that staff was primarily made up of their grown children and cousins and their their kids. Yeah, keeping it a family business. Yeah, so they moved the, their factory to a larger location along the Bay Shoreline in Richmond, just above Berkeley. Mm-hmm. The building's still there, by the way. Um, I used to drive by it every time I took my sweet bear, the late Elliot, to Point Isabel Dog Park. Oh, um, the largest dog park in the nation. A.K.A. A- a- best place on earth. So this family, 1941, Candido had a boy. He named him Kenneth. Kenneth. Kenneth Jacuzzi. Oh, my goodness. The Jacuzzi family? (laughs) Son of Candido Jacuzzi. (laughs) The water pumps, of course. Yes. This is the Jacuzzi family. Oh, my God. The inventor of the hot tub. Yeah. So, how do they get into hot tubs? So, this is the family that got Eddie Murphy wet. Yes. Yes. Gotta make you sweat. (laughs) Too hot in the hot hot tub. tub. So how do they get into hot tubs? I don't know. One foot at a time? Let me tell you. When (laughs) Kenneth was 18 months old, Kenny Jacuzzi, (laughs) he was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. It's some serious, terrible stuff. So it's an autoimmune disease where the body fights itself. Mm -hmm. Essentially, there's inflammation in the joints, but also in the organs. And like bones erode, joints deform. It's really, really painful. Doctors didn't think he'd see his third birthday. So it was rough. He was an active, healthy kid, and then suddenly he wasn't because he got a nasty case of strep throat, um, and that led to rheumatic fever, which led to RA. Oh, wow. They don't. They didn't have antibiotics like we do now. Hmm. So, you know. So it's like a, basically a bacterial infection? Yeah, pretty much. Huh. So he started to lose his mobility. Um, doctors said that if he did make it, every year would be borrowed time. Hmm. And if he managed to grow up, he wouldn't grow old, and he'd never live independently. So the family tried having him put in a full body cast to straighten his limbs, but that didn't work. They gave him injections of gold salts, and that's what they were calling the gold standard. Uh, I I suppose it may have helped. Who knows? Um, And then they heard about hydrotherapy. So the family lived over the hill from Berkeley in Lafayette, California. Okay. Uh, Berkeley, though, is where the hydrotherapy treatment for Kenneth was. Uh, there was a Hubbard tank at the hospital there. So the Hubbard was an oval-shaped tub with a wooden bench in it. And the patient would sit on the bench and water would swirl around the patient's body to relieve stiffness and improve flexibility. Mm-hmm. I've seen that with World War I veterans. Yeah, yeah. So this provided Kenneth with incredible relief. His parents started taking him twice a week because suddenly he's just loosening up. He can move a little bit better. Oh, the yeah. pain Bathing subsides. Bathing is life. Oh, completely, as you well know. Where you started out was in a bathtub of hot water. (laughs) Exactly. In your mama's bathtub. Exactly. Um, Your mama's bathtub. (laughs) So it took took the family an hour each way to get to the hospital for treatment driving over the hill. Mm -hmm. Uh, While his parents would have driven to the absolute ends of the earth to take him to these appointments, it still wore on them. Yeah. So one day, Kenneth's mom came home from the drive and she asked Candido, the dad, if it would be possible to make one of these machines for the house. You know, you work in water pumps, she's thinking, like, come on now. Um, and thus, the J300 was born. Hmm. So this this thing made The a... Jacuzzi 300. <laughs> Everything is the J whatever yeah, with them. The I plane like was the J7. Yeah, I caught that. So uh, this thing, it made a whirl of warm water, just like the Hubbard, but it could be attached to a whole bathtub. And so, like, the Hubbard let patients only sit upright. This way you could lay down hmm. and, and kind of get the back and everything as well. 
So oh, thus the seat in the jacuzzi. Right. Like the, the well, actual, this isn't the full jacuzzi. I know, but I'm yet. saying, but that's why you see those seats in the jacuzzi. Yeah, that's one like, of the reasons for it. Yeah. yeah. So Candido invited his son's doctor uh, to come and look at his invention, mm-hmm. and the doctor was just blown away. He asked Candido to make more for other patients. At which point, Candido's business acumen kicked in. Mm. He decided to patent it and market it. Yes. So this was a big jump for them. Not the patenting a design part, but the marketing. Um, they'd always made products uh, that were sold to larger manufacturers and distributors. And Candido, he wanted to own this wholly. He didn't want to distribute yeah. it through anyone else. Smart. He wanted to go up against the big dogs of the appliance world. Okay. Uh, it took convincing, but he got the family on board. What's that, like Singer sewing machines? Like, well, I would like, I don't know, like Maytag? GE, GE, Maytag. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, so he and his brothers, they honed the design and they started selling the J300 in 1949. They were available in bath supply shops and pharmacies Hmm. at the very beginning. Then the Jacuzzi brothers took their machine to the full market in the mid-50s. It was, they said it was a, quote, lightweight portable hydro massage unit, perfect for the tired businessman or harried housewife, for the golfer with sore muscles, for the aches and pains of senior citizens, for frolicking youngsters, and for those who just want to relax and pamper themselves with a hydro massage bath. That's that's you at the end. That's me, yeah. That is me, though, that at the is. end. So did, was this a portable, you said? Yes. So this is you like... plug it in. Okay. And then you, like, into the wall, and then you drop the unit into the bath. Huh. And so it's totally portable. Okay, so it's basically all of the filters and everything. This isn't like There's a tub unit. not even a filter. Unit. No, yeah. It just drops in, and it swishes the water around. around. Yeah. yeah. Like the pumps, I guess. Right, yeah. So the J300 was featured on Queen for a Day, mm-hmm. a oh, yes. TV show. Dude, I've heard about it's that show. It's a great concept. Like, women would be asked about their hard luck stories, and the audience would decide who had the most upsetting, heartbreaking story. I, I heard from my grandmother. Determined by applause meter. This was insane. This show, they would go on there, and these hard luck stories were like, Crazier oh, than any hard luck story you would currently hear. But then hear. they have to battle it out with yeah. an applause meter. Exactly. I'm like, who's the worst? And then at the end, they're like, oh, that's <laughs> oh, a, yeah, you're that's just, the you worst. Are I your would life kill myself. Terrible. Oh, my God. Uh, so the winner was named Queen for a Day. Like, yeah. And what do you get? And they get like a crown and a scepter. You get a crown, but then you get prizes that are re- like kind of related to your song. Oh, yeah, story. No, totally. It's all like ha- so household like, appliances. Kenneth Jacuzzi said, quote, every time a queen had a story that had some medical related aspect to it, one of the prizes was a jacuzzi. The name Jacuzzi became known overnight. Oh, yeah. So that's right. Little Kenneth commented on this because Kenneth is a survivor. What do you mean? So... He's talking about this later on, right? Uh-huh. The water helped him immensely. But they said he wasn't going to live to like C3 or 8, yeah, right? totally. His family worked tirelessly to make sure he had everything he needed to thrive. His progress was noted through the years in local papers that like applauded every single milestone. Mm-hmm. There's just tons of articles. He was wheelchair bound, but that didn't make a lick of difference, which is how it should be in Always. this world. So the the kid they didn't think would make it to 8 mm-hmm. at the outside went on to get a master's degree work in Italy for the family business. He got a gig as the director of the Office of the Americans with Disability Act for the state of Arizona. He was a lifelong advocate for ADA and rights of people with disabilities. He got married. He wrote a book called Jacuzzi, A Father's Invention to Ease a Son's Pain. Damn. He was an extraordinary human being who lived to the age of 75 against all odds. You know what that is, Elizabeth? Proof of the beauty and power of bathing. Of bathing. Thank you. See? Jacuzzi. Couldn't do that with a shower. 
so back to Queen for a day. <laughs> 20 million people watched yes. each show. Uh, Roy Jacuzzi, who worked at the factory in the summer as a teen, said, quote, We ran ads that claimed to heal headaches, heart disease, sexual drive, everything. We demonstrated door-to-door in people's bathrooms. Hmm. So they're just out there hustling. People were a little spooked, though. They didn't really want to submerge something that was plugged into an electrical outlet into their bathtub. Like, I don't want to be electrocuted just to feel good. Well, they thought it would be like trying to heat your bathwater with a toaster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, totally. So, Zarin, close your eyes. (gasps) Oh, you snuck up on me. My eyes are closed. I want you to picture it. You are Roy Jacuzzi. (laughs) Damn right. You've graduated, and now you work in the Jacuzzi Brothers offices full-time. Yesterday, a salesman came in and complained about how customers wanted the Whirlpool, but they were afraid of being electrocuted and then discovered all charred and blistered in the tub that they were just relaxing in. No bueno. So this was a problem you'd heard from a bunch of people. They wanted to be relaxed, but they also didn't want to die. So no matter what you did, you couldn't seem to convince people that this was perfectly safe. You could have both. Yeah, why not? You, <laughs> <laughs> you left work and you decided to go for a walk along the shore of the bay. There were some mud flats not too far from the offices that you like to visit, uh, you know, at the end of a stressful day just to unwind. Of course. I love a mud flat. Who doesn't? Uh, You watched a gorgeous sunset there every now and again. So, you know, the birds are flying over, you know, you hear cars in the distance. You slip off your shoes. You walk into the cruddy, sandy mud. I'm all for a walk on the beach, believe you me, but this is gross, dude. (laughs) Whatever. You're lost in thought. Just leave a man to his mud flats. (laughs) You just have to figure out a way to get the water moving without putting something attached to actual voltage right in the water. Yeah. So as you stare at the muddy sand, you see bubbles. Bubbles forced to the surface by little clams. Hmm. They push the air out and off it goes, bubbling out at your toes. I need diesel-powered clams. You've got it. You scramble up to your car and you race back to the shop. You peel up to the curb and sprint into the building, hoping to catch your great-uncle Candido before he heads home for the day. Luckily, he's there at his drafting desk, deep in thought. You slam your hand down on the desk, startling him. I've got it! You explain to him that if you installed jets coming from outside of the tub, that there wouldn't be any wiring in the water and people would feel more comfortable. It was easy enough, using their water pump technology, sealing materials, and new-age polymers. Make it self-contained, like the original plane. Yes. Plus now, we sell them a whole ass tub. Oh, brilliant. More material. Candido looks you square in the eye. You've done it, he yells. (laughs) And then you high-five and you get suspended in a freeze frame that traps you until this very day. (laughs) So, jacuzzis always have an answer. The family wasn't on board initially, like every big decision, but Mm -hmm. you had the old jacuzzi moxie and got your way. The true jacuzzi was born. The family then made it into the Oxford English Dictionary. Oh, my dream. Jacuzzi, noun, a large bath incorporating jets of water to massage the body. Origin, named after the Italian-born American inventor Candido Jacuzzi. So notice that it only says Candido. Yeah. That's the official line. But the truth is that Roy, Candido's grandnephew, is the one who came up with the logistics and the idea. Oh, really? We don't know if that's, who knows, but whatever. But he wasn't there for the bubbles and the clams. You were Roy. Yeah. Oh, wait, you're right. Yeah, I don't know if he honestly no, wait, saw yeah. bubbles. So wait a minute, Candido. I don't, I don't know how it came to him. Stealing my thunder. I made that up. Whatever. Okay, so, well. jacuzzis, they're really coming <laughs> up in the world. And not just the people, the actual baths. The, the jacuzzi bathtubs, they were glamorous and sexy and somewhat wholesome at the same time. Oh, really? And associated with what we now obnoxiously call wellness. Oh, yeah, it was like a health it thing. It was like a health yeah. thing. 
Um, it really didn't start to get sleazy until like the 80s. I'd say the late 70s with the, the Marin San Francisco scene. Right. And then you add in the 80s where they go, oh, I want that in Modesto. It's, I want that in Minneapolis. <laughs> well, no, and we then, had them all over at that no, point. No, but I'm saying but other like, people wanted what It was, was actually movies and TV and media that yeah, started to like shift it. like Shampoo, the movie, the Warren Beatty movie. Exactly. Those types of movies in the 70s were showing that that, right. nor, that NorCal, LA, like, I'm a swinger vibe. Yeah. And all of a sudden people like wanted it in Bristol, Connecticut. Well, and the jacuzzi was a status symbol in an America desperate for status. Totally. And that's that very time. early 80s. So, Elizabeth, you're asking. Elizabeth. Please, I come to you with tears in my eyes. Look at my eyes. There must be a crime in here somewhere. Dry my cheeks. Hold fast, young sailors. Thank you. It's roiling up from under the surface. It's ready to bubble and swirl around you. I sense it coming. When we get back from this break, I'll, we'll get into crime. All right. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Jacuzzi! So while the jacuzzi was taking the world by storm, Mm -hmm. dark clouds were forming over the factory in Richmond. Candido had always been, let's say, a tough boss. Mm -hmm. Uh, He made decisions without consulting the family. But that was pretty much necessary because, like, the number of family members employed was almost north of 200 people by the mid-60s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Forget they're, they're having thick, babies and babies. thick with jacuzzi. <laughs> uh, so, in fact, there's a really great article in the San Bernardino Sun-Telegram about the jacuzzi family having a family reunion at the Colombo Hall in Oakland with 188 family members showing up, including nine of the original 13 kids. Damn. Obviously, there weren't kids anymore. So, anyway, it was a big deal. Like, this is huge family. Can't swing a cat in Richmond without hitting a jacuzzi. No, no. So, the, the core group was still there, though. Sure. What remained of the original siblings and their children and the children's children, they they ran the whole thing. You said in Richmond. 
The the yeah the main office is in Richmond. Is it right by the five the, the five right where eighty and five eighty split right split yeah. There's and, and it's like right at the beginning. Yeah. I used to live on that pimple of a hill in Albany, and I used to look down on where the jacuzzis are lined up there against the back it's wall. It's called Jacuzzi Drive. Yeah, like the, I used to drive when I would take the dog to the dog park. I'd drive right by Jacuzzi yes. Drive and never. Re- I just thought, well, that's you know. You seen them right? They're all lined yeah, up, all, all the tubs up. and everything. Yeah, it's that's, amazing. That's the, that's part the of spot. It. I've yep. been going past all of this history that's all this the time. Spot. Exactly. Incredible. So uh, Candido, he thought that the best way to manage the jacuzzi money was to form a holding company in Switzerland. (laughs) I've had that same thought. And he also (laughs) felt that this would minimize taxes. Uh, That's why. Right? (laughs) Um, So a splinter faction of the jacuzzis disagreed. No. Uh, Rodolfo and Rosie Jacuzzi, (laughs) along with Reno, Stella, Silvano, and George Marin. Wait, there's a man named Reno Jacuzzi? No, no, no. Reno Marin. (laughs) Oh. Uh, So Reno, Stella, Silvano, and George Marin, another part of the family, they all filed suit to stop the transfer of assets. All right. So Rosie Jacuzzi was the widow of the original sibling, uh, Yelindo Jacuzzi, and Rodolfo was their son. Mm. So this splinter faction thought the choice might be, how do you say, the illegal? Oh, yes. To put it all in Switzerland. Uh, They also felt that this was a way for Candido to conceal funds from the rest of the family. From everybody, yeah, not just the taxes. Right. Well, Candido, he had a powerhouse lawyer. A notorious man who would later go on to be the mayor of San Francisco. What? Joseph Aliotto. No way. If you have any interest at all in San Francisco history, as an aside here, you have got to read a book called Season of the Witch by David Talbot. Mm. Um, It's about San Francisco from the late 60s through the early 80s, which is my favorite era of California history. Anyway, uh, it's a great book. And Joseph Aliotto shows up in there quite a bit. I've heard plenty of stories about the Aliotto family over the years Mm -hmm. outside of this book. Good, inspirational, bad, <laughs> terrifying, always entertaining, though. So anyway, Joe Aliotto was Candido's lawyer. Aliotto told him, just go ahead and transfer everything over. Just go ahead. You just know, ignore you're your the family. Boss. You're the boss. You can do it. Whatever. You got authority. So the cousins sued. They're like, actually, no, you can't. So back in 1961, they filed suit against the other remaining original family members, demanding that Candido be removed from his position as president of Jacuzzi Brothers Incorporated. Hmm. They also wanted the Swiss holding company deal canceled. They said that overseas assets of the firm were sold to a Swiss holding company for about a million dollars less than the fair market value. The sale price was listed at $1.2 So um, the six complainants, they had about 15% of Jacuzzi Brothers stock, and they wanted a complete accounting of all the company's financials, something that hadn't been given thus far. In 1963, a judge awarded this splinter group $6.1 $6.1 million in the matter. That's like $60 million today. Damn. So the $6 million was the $1 million they said they were cheated out of, mm-hmm. as well as $5 million for the actual assets themselves. Okay. Hot damn. So never fear. Shortly thereafter, Candido et al. filed a relief plea. They wanted the $6 million uh, judgment voided, and they said that they had been denied due process. So this Did they thing, do that? I, you'll see. So uh, they said that the judgment wasn't valid without a court determination setting out the exact amount. And then on top of that, they said that if they did have to pay it, it would ruin them and the business. And the court's like, and I supposed to care about that? Yeah, that's not our issue. Yeah. So there wasn't any movement on the case until 1966. So while the world was introduced to the luxury line hydrotherapy pool, 
The Splinter Faction was suing Candido and the others once again. The family is a fighting. Yeah. They said that he fraudulently transferred company stock shares and real estate worth more than $2 million to other family members in order to keep the Splinter Group from collecting the $6 million judgment. Oh, wow. They wanted the real estate and the stock put into receivership and then sold to pay them what they were owed. Okay. Uh, at long last, it finally came to a close at the end of 1967. A court determined that the Swiss holding company was, as the judge put it, a, quote, alter ego of Candido. What? They said, because they're like, basically, it's not a Swiss holding company. It's you, Candido. Of the, he was, <laughs> there are three people on the board of the, of the holding company. Oh, my God. He was the head of it. He was a sock And the other company. two had, like, had documents that had, like, no dates. Yeah. And their signatures and they, no one could figure out exist. who they were. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's his alter ego. Um, so they came to a settlement. And my vice president, Ken Dido. <laughs> and <laughs> So they figured like, okay, this is how we're going to get Candido to return the assets. And he agreed. Um, and he'd also have to personally pay a judgment of $60,000, which is like half a mil today. Okay. Um, what's really wild is that the court awarded more than $800,000 in attorney's fees on this. Huh. And that was the largest award recorded for fees in California at that time. So that's like $7 million today. Jacuzzi's making history Jacuzzi's. twice. Jacuzzi's. Uh, so Candido, he gave a statement from the new company headquarters in Little Rock, Arkansas. Where what? They'd, they'd moved everything out <laughs> to Little Rock. Why Little Rock? I don't know. So the plexiglass is cheaper? I I suppose. So it's probably the labor. That, you know, oh, the Richmond, yes. that was a union shop. Yeah, yeah. And they had a couple strikes there over the year. Huh. Um, so uh, he gave this statement. He said that settling it all was in the best interest of the company and its shareholders. And he said they were cleaning house in management and the executive suite. Everything's going to be fine. We're just going to move forward from here. And he's like, by the way, we're also going to build a new plant in Milan, Italy my home country. Isn't that mm -hmm. cool for us? Love that. And they're like, yeah, us. that's cool for you. You know who else was moving to Italy? What year? 67. Moving to Italy in 67. Uh, that's tough. I don't know who. Candido. Oh, And Candido. you want to know why? Tax evasion. No. Oh, I could have guessed that one. So Candido hadn't been paying his taxes. Okay. And Zarin, that is a crime. That is technically, you got it. We're Boom. here. The view is great from here, we from Crime landed. City. X it's marks the spot. so beautiful, so crimey. So 1969, Candido, he gets uh, indicted on charges of evading more than $60,000 in federal income tax. Hmm. And like for those who like to do inflation calculation, that's like half a million dollars yes, today. It is. It's a lot, but it's not a lot in the grand scheme of like his wealth. It's more than I want to pay, but it's not a lot for his wallet. Right. Exactly. So a bench warrant was issued. All right. And the charges were only for $60,000, but the IRS made sure to note that he actually owed a lot more, like around $1.3 which calculates out to $10 million today, Damn. which is, okay, that's a lot. That's a lot. Um, but there's Candido. Nowhere to be found. He effed off to Italy. Uh, the papers all said Milan, but I found that in family obituaries, they would list their surviving family members. Mm -hmm. And they always noted him as living in um, Pordenone, which isn't far from Casarsa, where they were originally okay. from. So that kind of makes sense. So to avoid the bench warrant and the IRS, Candido moved to Italy. Going home. He's like, double deuces, I'm out. Yeah, and he made his way to the IRS most wanted list. Did he? Yeah. I didn't know the IRS had a most I, wanted list. Nor did list. I. And what's interesting is the papers are all confused about, okay, they have this bench warrant for 60 grand, but they say he owes 1.2 million. Why isn't, why not the 1.2 million? Like this maybe doesn't that make was sense. A, maybe the one was criminal and the other was negligent. Perhaps. That's a good point. 
you should have written for the papers in the 60s. <laughs> um, so he splits his time between Italy and Mexico because oh, who wouldn't want there to was do that? no extradition treaty for tax evasion from in those Mexico. Con- yeah, in, for tax evasion yeah, in those countries at that time. I didn't know that. Um, I don't know if it's changed. I started to look it up and then I got down into this rabbit hole and I realized it doesn't matter because we're talking not. about how it was in the late 60s. Exactly. Let go, Elizabeth. Release, um, let's let live go. in the moment. Get off my back, Sarah. Um, I didn't look it up. So anyway, <laughs> Mexico. Uh, yes. He worked on building a luxurious home there. And there were other like high flyers and celebrities and rich people in this little area of Puerto Vallarta where oh. he was going to build a house. Okay. He had it made. And then in 1976, things changed. Candido Jacuzzi had a heart attack in Puerto Vallarta. Um, he was paralyzed from the chest down and then they flew him to Houston, Texas for surgery. And he hadn't been on U.S. soil since 1969. This is 1976. See you coming back for medicine, Candido. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he still had that five-count tax evasion oh, wrap yeah. hanging over him. Get handcuffed to his hospital bed? He, w- he was up against $10,000 in fines uh-huh. and five years in prison for each count. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I'd hang out in Italy and Mexico, too, if I were him. Live it up. Heck, I'd, I'd hang out in Barbados, anywhere. <laughs> anywhere but here. So, but he goes to Houston. Hmm. Uh, his attorney being an officer of the court, had to do the right thing. So he called the Justice Department to let him know that his client was back, baby. Oh, he like, really did the right thing. And if you need him, he's in Houston. Yeah. Uh, so he was arraigned in his hospital bed. Oh, they a, did it. Oh, yeah, by a U.S. <laughs> <Yes>. magistrate. <laughs> they will totally oh, do that. Oh, they will totally. Bail was $50,000, uh-huh. and he secured that with his daughter's home back in Lafayette, California. Oh, did she know that? The, the house on Upper Happy Valley Road. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so I think that was the house that he had, and he'd okay, given it yeah. to his daughter. So later that year, the Jacuzzi brothers sued John Jacuzzi, Candido's son, for illegally transferring $871,000 in stock to a Mexican trust. Mm-hmm. And they wanted $20 million in damages. Yeah. Right. So John Jacuzzi is such a great name to use to like check into a hotel or make 100%. dinner reservations. Or like if you have to give a man on the street interview on, on TV, <laughs> what's your name? John Jacuzzi. John Jacuzzi, table four. So I don't know whatever happened to that lawsuit, the one about transferring to a Mexican trust. John Jacuzzi also had been living in Mexico for some time. He was in the papers for evading the draft, I suppose, for the Korean War, uh, which I didn't, whatever. I didn't even know people did that. I didn't think they did. But in 1951, he ran off to Mexico. that's the only one you'd be Precisely. And so he was, like, going to be arrested. And then he said, no, I went there to work for my family's company. Although at the beginning of the Korean War, everybody treated it like World War II, like the Act three or whatever. Yeah. yeah. They're like, oh, we have to do it again. We got to. Right. So, so I think at, that at the that's very beginning, was. you could see people being upset about I can that. Think, yeah, I think that's what Afterwards, that was. it turned into a police action. So it, may, it makes sense. His, you know, John is in, uh, you know, uh, Mexico, Mexico and he goes fled. down there. And so I don't know whatever happened with the trust thing. I'm not even sure how Candido resolved things with the IRS. Like, it's not in any of the papers. No, and I'm sure we both know the answer. He paid them some money. Right. And then they were like, this but is good was, enough. And, but he still had plenty. So in 1975, he gave an interview to Sports Illustrated, of oh, all places. there you go. Um, he felt that the problems with the company all came from including non-family outsiders on the <laughs> board. he did. <laughs> he said, quote, when there were just us brothers, we'd put a bottle of wine on the table and that solve our problems. He said, today... There are too many of us to do that. Sounds like my dad's brothers. Pretty much. So in 1979, the Jacuzzis sold their share of Jacuzzi Brothers to KID Incorporated, K-I-D-D-E, wow. that company, uh-huh. a New York conglomerate. Until 1979. 79. Wow. 
Uh, the company made $5.6 million in yearly profit on $90 million of revenue. And the family made $59 million off that deal. Damn. Yeah. They should have, still should have held out. There's a lot. They they spread that around. Like, there's a jacuzzi family winery up in Sonoma. Oh, that's, that's apparently them. Like, yeah, that's them. It's I like one of the great grandkids that. or something. Like, so they, they've kind of spread out and, oh, and held on to the wealth. Um, he got away with tax evasion. Uh, so, 1986. Candido Jacuzzi passed away at the age of 83 at his winter home in Scottsdale, Arizona. Hmm. And at his death, he held That's more where he than, wants to be at the end of his well, life. Well, you know, I think, like, his son was living in Arizona, Kenneth. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, he's working so for he's the state. So he's with his family the, more yeah, so. Yeah, and I think so he was with his son and it was he like a good climate. He probably didn't pick Scottsdale Yeah, it was a good climate for everyone. Oh, yeah, and no, I get that. Yeah. But. Uh, so he had 50 patents at the time of his Damn. death. 50. And, you know, like I said, got away with tax evasion. So bravo to you, sir. Uh, <laughs> a tip of the hat. Now, Zarin, yes. what is your ridiculous takeaway? Thank that you for I, asking. Oh, well, um, I will ask you what yours is, no, Elizabeth. No, I, I don't have one, but go ahead. Oh, really? Okay, well, I'll just share mine then. The Jacuzzi Brothers, I had no idea, like, that I'd been driving past such, like, Northern California history all this time, and I was so close to it, and I was like, oh, man. And then they had these, like, these names, and we don't, I've never heard anybody tell this story. How does, how could both of us, Northern California people, yeah. and we've never heard the jacuzzi story? Right, I know. My ridiculous takeaway, thank you for asking. I, well, wait a minute here. I told here. you, <laughs> And so, yeah, no, I... Uh, I'm with you. I'd never heard this story. I see the name around. I never associated. I guess I never even thought about where does the name jacuzzi come no, from. No, and also I never really thought of it as an American invention. It makes perfect sense. Totally I just always does. thought it was like, like you know, the Hitachi came in from somewhere outside and gave Americans pleasure. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to skip that and say <laughs> I am a particular fan, too, of that it all came out of helping Kenneth. Uh-huh. And that I love that just like the whole family pours into making Kenneth's life livable. Yes, I and do And he love goes that. on to live to 75. Yeah, I do love that. That is Like, awesome. it's just incredible. So, And, you know, Kevin. once Kevin. again, power bathing. Right, exactly the power of the bath. That's it. That's all I have. Uh, you can find us online at RidiculousCrime.com. We're at RidiculousCrime on Twitter and Instagram. There's an email address. Leave a talk back on the iHeart app. And that's it. Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zaren Burnett. Produced and edited by Dave Jacuzzi. That's him! Research is by Marissa Jacuzzi and Andrea Jacuzzi Jacuzzi. <laughs> the theme song is by Thomas Jacuzzi and Travis Jacuzzi. Post wardrobe is provided by Botany 500 and a Jacuzzi. Executive producers are Ben Jacuzzi and Noel Hot Tub. Ridiculous Crime. Say it one more time. Ridiculous Crime. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world.